You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. Last week we discussed Bitachon, we discussed the introduction to what it means to have trust in Hashem. We talked about the importance of being completely reliant on Hashem. And last week after I got home, I was turning over in bed because I forgot to mention something which is so crucial and so important. And that is, it's one of my favorite ideas when we talk about bitachon. And that is Hashem li lo ira. We say this at the end of Adon Olam. The last four words. Hashem li lo ira. If Hashem is with me, meaning if I know, if I, if I'm confident in my relationship with Hashem and I remember with a fresh, clear reliance that Hashem is there for everything through thick and thin. He's going to do everything that's best for me. I have nothing to worry about. Lo ira, I have nothing to fear. Fear is telling of a lack of trust. If someone has fear, if someone has worry, it means they don't trust in Hashem. A little harsh, but it's a little true. It's very true. So we are now studying Rabbi Lazar Brody's book on Bitachon, and we are in chapter one. What is Bitachon? In the introduction to this book, we gave the standing on one foot definition of Bitachon as trust and security in the Almighty. That might be fine for the dictionary, but it's not good enough for a worry-free heart. This chapter, consequently, addresses the simple but so important question. What is bitachon? Rabbeinu Bechaya, in Duties of Our Heart, defines bitachon as tranquility of the soul whose heart leans on he whom he trusts, referring to the Almighty, who will always do what's good and be fitting for whatever the matter is, and he trusts that he, that the one he leans on has the knowledge and ability to do whatever is best and be fitting for him. So a person who has 100% trust knows that Hashem knows what's good for him, what's best for him, and Hashem has the ability to change and, and determine outcomes. Rabbeinu Bechai's classic definition of bitachon sounds a bit cumbersome. To the English hearing ear, so let's break it down into three parts. Number one, tranquility of the soul. Number two, leaning on Hashem. And number three, Hashem has the knowledge and ability to do what's best and be fitting always. So what? let's just talk about this before we continue reading. Tranquility of the soul. Peace of mind. You know, it's amazing that on Shabbos, in our Mincha prayer, at the end of Shabbos almost, we talk a lot about Menucha, about peace of tranquility, of peace of mind. And I, I was always thinking about why don't we have that at the beginning of Shabbos? At the beginning of Shabbos, we should be talking, ah, a day of rest, a day of relaxation, 
a day of tranquility, a day of peace of mind, a day of no work. Instead, we have it at the end. The last prayer on Shabbos is talking about Menucha. Menuchas Avonadava, Menuchas Emes Ve'amuna, Menuchas Shalom Veshava. We're talking about all these different levels of Menucha. And to me, it seems very simple because it takes time to wind down from your week. You know, you come running, rushing into Shabbos. You're just getting everything ready. You, you, you don't have yet time to be at, tranquil, to be at peace, and to be calm. But after, you know, 20, 18 hours of Shabbos, where you've been able to rest, and you've been able to eat, and you've been able to spend time with your family, and you've been able to really get into the zone of Shabbos, ah, now we can start talking about tranquility. Now we can start... To, that is what we're talking about, getting into a place of complete calmness, of complete tranquility. The first of Rabbeinu Bachia's three-part definition of bitachon is tranquility of the soul. The altar of Novartic, who is the leader, the leader of the Novartic yeshiva, writes that tranquility of the soul is the indication of bitachon. A person with bitachon must never lose composure, worry, or be afraid. You see someone worried, they're lacking bitachon. You see someone afraid, they're lacking bitachon. You see someone who loses their composure, they're lacking bitachon. It has to be me in control. And when me is not in control, I lose my composure. Well, guess what? Me is never in control. Right? We are never in control. It's always Hashem who's in control of what goes on in the world. And if we think about this, we'll see that I've mentioned this in other, with regard to other traits, that every trait is rooted in emunah. So, for example, jealousy. If you're jealous of what someone else has, you're jealous of someone else's jewelry, you're jealous of someone else's car, you're jealous of someone else's child, whatever it is. In a way, it's an identification to a lack of emuna. Why? Because what is emuna? Emuna is that I believe in Hashem. That Hashem what? Created the heaven and earth. And He knows what's right and what's wrong. And He knows what's good for me. And he knows exactly what I need. And he will give me exactly what I need. And if I'm jealous of what someone else has, that means I don't believe that Hashem knows what's best for me. If I want that person's watch, you know what that's saying? Hashem doesn't really know that that watch is good for me. So if Hashem would have known, right, then I wouldn't be jealous. But Hashem doesn't know, God forbid, right? If someone can even think that way, right? The tractate in Shabbat, in, in Brachot 68 tells the story of Rabbi Shmuel encountering a Torah scholar who was in a state of fear. And what did he tell him? You must be a sinner, said Rabbi Shmuel. For the prophet said that the sinners in Zion are afraid. Those who are afraid must be that they're doing so. What does that mean, a sinner? Meaning you don't rely on Hashem. You don't rely on Hashem. Probably there are other areas in your life that are not well aligned with Hashem. In his elaboration of the above Gemara, the Maharal of Prague writes that fear is the opposite of security. 
for a person who feels secure, does not fear. Meaning, if I feel secure, that everything is in the hands of Hashem and Hashem is there taking care of me. Let me ask you even a better question. A little baby child is in their mother's arms or in their father's arms. Do they have worries about the stock market? Do they have worries about what's going to be next year when my child graduates? No, they're not worried about anything. Why? Because I'm in my father's arms. I'm in my mother's arms. There's nothing to worry about. I know they'll take care of me. We're in Hashem's arms. We're his little baby. And we're worried. (gasps) What's going to be? I'm so worried. No, don't worry. You're in Hashem's arms. It's not going to let you down. The Maharal of Prague says that fear is the opposite of security. For a person who feels secure does not fear. King Solomon says so explicitly. A person's fear brings him down, but his trust in Hashem lifts him up. King David expresses the same thought when he says, He shall not fear of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in Hashem. Bitachon gives a person the measure of personal security to the extent that even the most fearful tidings cannot blemish his or her self-composure. In the jargon of King David, the trusting heart remains steadfast. I'll give you just a, 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 a glimpse into how my grandfather lived his life. The most utmost composure, self-composure at all times. There was never an instance where he lost it. You can come in with, uh, uh, did you hear that terrible news? Did you hear? No. Composure. Why? Because everything happens by the hand of Hashem. Where am I, I going to go crazy? So we can, we can hear sad news. We can hear chaotic news. We can hear things that are happy, sad. There has to be composure. Because composure means I'm with Hashem. Losing that composure means I'm out of control. It's not only that. I remember telling my grandfather some news over the years when I lived at my grandfather's house. And he never ever responded like instantly. He always took it in, absorbed the information, and then responded in due course. Sometimes it could be 60 minutes later. Sometimes it could be an hour later, uh, an hour and a half later, 90 minutes later. Sometimes it could be a day later. He wasn't a vending machine. People uh, would come and ask him questions and he would think, and they're like, no, n- n- let's go. Like, just spit out an answer. They didn't work like that. There were times that I asked him a question, and I really needed an answer. So I'm sitting there waiting, and I'm sitting there waiting. He says, come back to me next week. And by the time the next week came, he had thought through it, and had a crystal clear answer that was the absolute most brilliant answer I've ever heard. Well thought through, well processed. Not flippant, not just like, you know, people think that rabbis are a vending machine. You just put in 
a quarter and pop your Mishnah soda out. It doesn't work like that. It's like you have to think it through. My daughter called me a blue checker. You know what a blue checker? If you send someone a message and they read it so their check turns blue on the on the application, oh. right? It turns blue. So if you don't respond, you're blue checking me. I told her I'm not blue checking you. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. You asked me a question. I'm not just going to give you a yes, no, maybe, whatever. You just, I want to think it through. Give me a minute to think. Give me an hour to think. Give me some time. Rabbi Avram, the son of the Rambam, makes an interesting distinction when he says that a person should not be afraid of fear-causing elements, but instead fear he who uses them as agents of punishment. means don't be afraid of the hurricane. Be afraid of Hashem who causes, brings the hurricane. We're sometimes getting afraid of the wrong thing. Why are we getting afraid of the hurricane? We should be afraid of Hashem who is in charge of it all. Indeed, King David says, in the day that I am afraid, I will trust you. In other words, the more there is reason to fear, the more we must trust in Hashem. This brings us to a simple mathematical spiritual concept. The more bitachon exceeds fear, the greater one's tranquility of the soul. Right? We all, if we're, if we're living as human beings in our generation, in our world, where we, people have fears all the time, then we have to realize that the more bitachon we invest in, the more trust in Hashem we have, the less of those fears we have. Well, we just spoke about this a few minutes ago. We talked about Google knowing everything. They listen to everything. But what should we fear? You know, the federal government spying on us? The KGB spying on us? Google spying on us? Apple spying on us? Or that Hashem sees everything? You know, you walk into a store today, I don't know if you noticed, uh, you go to Kroger, you go to even uh, Sam's Club and, and Costco and uh, many of these stores, even Walmart, the grocery, they have self-checkout. And you can check out. I was once standing at the self-checkout and I scanned all of my items and the computer, the, the screen right in front of me, pulled a video from overhead mm-hmm. right on top and it says we identified an item that was not scanned. Now, it was scanned, but the computer didn't, didn't see it or didn't read it, didn't, didn't notice it for whatever reason, and it thought that maybe I left an item there. So I immediately thought, imagine that. They have a, a, a camera right above where you're standing. You didn't even notice it. It's all the way up in the, in the ceiling that's videoing every single motion you make. And what's about the Almighty? The Almighty recognizes not only every motion, the Almighty, every thought, every intention. Now, can that put a little fear into us? It could. 
unless we realize that Hashem is on our side. Hashem loves us and He cares about us and He wants our closeness and He wants our relationship. Like we mentioned so many times in these classes, Hashem doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't need a birthday cake and He doesn't need balloons. Hashem wants a relationship with us. Bitachon is the ultimate relationship with Hashem where we put our complete trust in Hashem. Trust doesn't mean that I'm going to get what I want. Look, to, tomorrow there's a $1.3 billion mega, mega lottery. Right? So if I have trust in Hashem, then I'm going to win. No. You have trust in Hashem that the right thing for you will happen. That's the trust. Trust doesn't mean, oh, God forbid someone's sick. I trust that Hashem will heal them. No. You trust that the right thing will happen. Okay? So conversely, the more one, more fear exceeds bitachon, the greater one's emotional turmoil. If you have more fear than bitachon, you have stress, you have anxiety, you have balagan. It's a mess. If you have more bitachon than fear, you have tranquility of the soul. Because you're calm, you're resolved, you know that you're in the hands of Hashem and have nothing to fear. Fear that's not offset with bitachon not only leads to inner turmoil, but actually triggers the very thing that a person fears. Job laments, for the thing I feared came upon me, and that which I was afraid of has overtaken me. I was not at ease, but in turmoil, nor was I tranquil. Then trouble came. So it's when I wasn't at ease, but I was in turmoil, and I didn't have tranquility, that's when trouble came. In this vein, the Magad of Dubna, the great tale-sayer of Dubna, says that more, the more a person fears something, the more he literally invokes the very object of his fear. If bitachon is the root of salvation, then fear is the root of endangerment. How profound. If bitachon is the root of salvation, then fear is the root of endangerment. We have to be so clear and resolute in our connection with Hashem. The more things we can attribute every single day to Hashem's power. I'll give you a very simple example. Every single morning we have a beautiful sunrise. Every single evening we have a beautiful sunset. So we can sit there, oh, look how beautiful, where's my camera? Take a picture and move on. Or I can sit there with awe. Wow, look at the love note that Hashem is writing me right now on the skies. And, and you could think, you know what? Hashem is not writing for me. Oh, no, then who is he writing it for? He's writing it for you. You're sitting there. You're enjoying it. Hashem designed it for you to enjoy, for you to know that he loves you. 
You think there's anybody else on planet Earth sitting right now and thinking that same thought? Everyone's passing. Oh, beautiful sunset. Okay, great. Get back on the phone or get, continue watching the show. Stop, stop, stop what you're doing. Realize that that's a love note from Hashem. You taste something delicious, that's a love note from Hashem. Hashem didn't need to give us thousands and thousands and thousands of fruit and thousands and thousands of vegetables, each one with a different texture, each one with a different flavor, each one with a different color, each one with a different taste, with a different scent. Unbelievable. Why? Just because he loves you. You. A person should say, the world was created for me. Yes, I'm looking at that sunset. Hashem created it for me, the Talmud says. You enjoying the weather? Hashem created it for me. You, right there where you are. It's for you. So now if I build up my relationship and all day I'm saying, Hashem, thank you. You have wonderful children? Hashem, thank you. You have a beautiful home? Hashem, thank you. You have a beautiful mind? You're able to think thoughts? You have a body that moves? You're able to function? Thank you, Hashem. You created the entire planet for me to enjoy. So now that we build this relationship, now that we build this on a, on a whole new level, guess what? See, Hashem is always there. He's always taking care of me. What's there to fear? Every time we enjoy from this world, we're obligated, the Talmud tells us this, we're obligated to thank Hashem. That doesn't mean that everything, even a sunset, by the way. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're obligated to thank Hashem. The Talmud says that anybody who enjoys from this world and doesn't thank Hashem is considered like a thief. And the commentaries explain, thief, you're not stealing anything from God. He made it for you. You're stealing from yourself. You're stealing from yourself the opportunity to maximize that pleasure. You're stealing from yourself the opportunity to elevate this relationship. Instead, you're just keeping it simple, mundane. You're keeping it... No, you got you to take every opportunity. You see something amazing, like, wow. Don't, don't let it pass you by. Be in awe. Live in awe. Even someone who's not in an accident should thank Hashem. How many times do we not even know the kindness that Hashem bestowed upon us? You know, we see in the Torah the most remarkable story of Balak and Bilam. They're trying to curse the Jewish people. Now, put yourself in Moshe's shoes. Moshe sitting there in the Ohel Moed, in the tent of gathering, where the Torah, he's transcribing the Torah as Hashem is dictating it. And suddenly he hears about this story of Balak and Bilam. He didn't even know. They were up there in the mountain overlooking the camp. Moshe knows nothing about this. So he's writing it in the Torah. Why is it even written in the Torah? Moshe didn't even know about it. Let, you know, ignorance is bliss. Let him not know about that story. And that's it. It's coming to teach us something. It's coming to teach us that Hashem is always watching over us. Hashem is always, there are probably thousands of times that Hashem protected us from that drunken driver so that he doesn't hit us, from that uh, mugger that they take a different route and they go someplace else, from, the, from all of these tr- horrific things that could happen to us. 
Hashem protects us. And that's why we say a special blessing every morning. Hamechin mitzadei garve. God prepares the ways of every man, mankind. Hashem is looking after us. He's taking care of us. And by the way, if you look at people who are honest, people who are God-fearing, when tragedies come their way, they will admit and they will recognize Hashem is humbling me. Hashem is bringing me to a point of clarity. Hashem, oh, you're not angry? Hashem, why did Hashem do this to you? No, not angry. I knew exactly what Hashem did and he did it to the right person at the right time because we need to, we need to sometimes learn. Sadly, sadly, sometimes it's through pain that we learn the most. And we should never let any type of incident happen. Any type of physical ailment, any type of injury, we should never let such a thing pass us by without taking a personal accounting of why did Hashem do that to me. I, I mentioned this story in the past. Uh, I gave a whole class on it, actually. But after I burnt my hand, uh, koshering my kitchen for Pesach, uh, this has been a long time ago, but I burnt like from the, my mid mid forearm uh, all the way till the end of my fingers in one of my hands. Yeah, I, so I was holding this big uh, big pot of hot steaming hot water, and I slipped, and it went all over me. It was it was it was a mess. Either way, I quickly ran to the bathtub, and I put my hand under running cold water. And I immediately started thinking, what did I do wrong with my hand that God did this to me? And it was burning. It was hurting so badly. It was, it was really painful. And as soon as I was able to identify what I thought the message was, and I think that that's what Hashem had in mind, because he sends us as the messenger for our own messages. We're our own prophets. It stopped hurting me. It was the most remarkable thing. My hand was burning, but it didn't hurt anymore. And the following day, it was very interesting. The following day, I gave a whole class on pain and suffering. And a woman who heard it, it was on Facebook Live, a woman who heard it, in the middle of the class, she showed up to the class. And I was a little confused. I was like, I saw her online, and now she's in the classroom. And she came to me with this medication. She says, you have to put this on your hand. I heard about your story. She said it was it was uh, 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 unbelievable. Either way, we have to always figure out what is the prophecy. Why is Hashem sending this to me? And if Hashem is doing it multiple times, like I recently had an injury on the same place of the same injury, like why, why, why? Like if you stub the same toe, like why? Something going on. Something that Hashem wants me to improve there. Don't know what it is. We have to figure it out. And by the way, it's nobody's place to ever say, oh, you know, you should be, uh, you know. <laughs> Don't say it. Nobody should be saying that to another person. Nothing brings a good night's sleep like the level of bitachon that frees a person's heart and brain from worry and fear. King David learns bitachon from watching a baby sleep and writes, I am still and my soul is tranquil like a baby in his mother's bosom. This is the ultimate state of tranquility. 
which a person attains by putting his or her total trust in Hashem. How are we putting ourselves in Hashem's hands? Hashem, I don't know how this is going to be resolved, but I know it's in your hands. I want to share with you an amazing story. Reb Chatzko Levenstein. Reb Chatzko Levenstein was the mashgiach in two very, very famous yeshivas. One yeshiva was the Mir Yeshiva in Poland. The other yeshiva was the Ponovich Yeshiva in Bnei Brak. Now, the Mir Yeshiva in Poland was a very, very poor yeshiva. Very poor yeshiva. I mean, they hardly had money for food. They hardly had money. It was, it was such a, a, a poverty. It's hard to imagine. Ponovich, on the other hand, has a pure gold Aron Kodesh, their ark where the Torahs are is pure gold. Okay? Not a place of poverty. The head of the yeshiva, the Panavijarov, was a great fundraiser. He was a masterful fundraiser. And he he was able to succeed in raising a lot of funds for his yeshiva. And here, the Mashkiach, the one who was in charge of the spiritual duties of the yeshiva, inspiring the students to be growing people, not only to learn intellectually, but to be growing spiritually. So someone once asked him, how do you compare the two? You were in the mirror, and now you're here in, in Bnei Brak. He says, I missed the days back then. I said, what do you mean you missed the days? You hardly got paid there. He says, over there I lived with pure bitachon. Over there I lived penny to penny, People called it pay, people call it now paycheck to paycheck. He lived penny to penny. And I was able to rely completely on Hashem, knowing that Hashem is going to take care of me. And Hashem took care of me. And every time I was reliant again, and Hashem took care of me, and I was reliant again, and Hashem took care of me. I was in a constant state of reliance on Hashem. He says, but now that this is such a a, a well run yeshiva. I miss having that same form of bitachon. When someone has, sometimes it's very hard to be feeling that sense of reliance on Hashem, which is something I want to mention. I saw a beautiful interview, actually a very inspirational interview, of the same individual we spoke about the past week or so that lost his fortunes. Uh, Someone who's a music artist who became a... uh, a, a fashion designer, and recently said something which was uh, a, a bit anti-Semitic, and uh, you know lost his contracts with all of these companies, and everyone is dropping him. The banks are dropping him, and all of it's. And someone interviewed him and said, "How do you feel about this?" I was shocked. I was shocked, shocked, shocked by what he said. But it's so beautiful what he said. He said, "I was arrogant." And God is teaching me a lesson. You're just a little person. Stop feeling like you're the owner of the world. Stop feeling like you're the be it, know it, and you know, and the everything of it all. You're just a little guy. Just do good things and don't be so arrogant. I think it was an incredible, incredible self introspection that this individual had 
I was shocked. He said, God is humbling. He said it multiple times. God is humbling me. God is humbling. God is teaching me. I think it's such a valuable, such an incredible lesson. A person needs to know that everything is from Hashem. Every meal, you know where your next meal is coming from? It's coming from Hashem. It's coming from Hashem. I want to share with you an amazing story. There was once a, a Rebbe, and the Rebbe every day would come home from shul in the morning, and he would look up to the heavens and he'd say, Hashem, Hashem, please, where's my food going to come from? Sure enough, his waiter would come with a plate full of food and he would serve him with his food. You know, he'd prepare the food. You know, the chef in the kitchen would prepare it and they'd serve him a beautiful dish. He said, oh, Hashem, thank you so much for the delicious food. Every day, every day he would come home, Hashem, where's my food going to come from? And boom, the waiter comes out and brings him his food. One day, the waiter's like, what is he, what is he talking, who is he talking to? Hello? He doesn't come from heaven. He comes from me. He comes from me. What is he doing? What is he, who does he think he's praying to? He says, you know what? Tomorrow, I'm going to come with an empty plate. And then we're going to see who he's praying to. Let him, let's see then what's going to happen. So the rabbi comes home from shul like he does every day. And he turns his head, lifts it to heaven, Hashem, please, where's my food going to come from? And the waiter comes out and he says, here's your food. Comes out with an empty tray. And as the rabbi's concluding his prayer, there's a knock at the door. A knock at the door. The rabbi goes to the door. And there's a, a man there who says, Rebbe, I asked you to pray for my wife. And guess what? She's feeling so much better. I wanted to thank you for your prayers. Here's a tray of food to thank you. And the, the food comes from Hashem. Trusting Hashem exclusively not only rewards a person with inner peace, but with happiness as well. For our hearts rejoice in Him. For we have trusted in His holy name. We have the opportunity every single day, every single minute of every single day. Hashem's got it covered. He's got it all worked out. It's okay. He'll take care of you. He loves you. He cares about you. And guess what? Even more than all of that, He hears your prayers. And He's going to answer every single prayer. The Talmud says, there is no prayer that returns unanswered. None. There is no prayer that returns unanswered. Every single prayer that we utter out of our mouths or out of our hearts, doesn't have to be with words even. We see from Chana, the Chana Himidaberas Aliba. Chana spoke from her heart. She didn't even say the words out loud. From her heart. Every prayer is answered. So what do we need to do? We need to lean on Hashem. The second of Rabbeinu Bachir's three-part definition of bitachon is the element of leaning on Hashem. Leaning on something means total trust and no fear or worry. 
What happens when we lean on our chair? We trust with our entire body that it's not going to collapse. When we lean on a wall, we trust that it's strong enough and it's not going to fall. When we lean on another human being, we trust that they're, being, we're, they're able to hold us up. When we lean on Hashem, we give total trust and we have no fear or worry that he will let go. Isaiah uses this term and says, let him trust in the name of Hashem and lean on his God. Indeed, leaning on Hashem is a precondition of the Geula, of the final redemption, the full redemption of our people, according to Isaiah. He prophesies, and the day will come when the remnant of Israel and the survivors of Jacob shall no longer lean on those who betray and turn against them, but they, will, they shall lean on the Holy One of Israel in truth. How many people are leaning on their 401k, on their retirement, on their stock uh, investments? That's what I'm leaning on. That I can trust. But relying on Hashem? <laughs> what does Hashem know of, uh, of money, right? What does Hashem know, right? Rabbeinu Yonah writes in his elaboration of Proverbs 3.26, that leaning on Hashem in truth means total trust and reliance without the slightest doubt. No doubts. I have 100% certainty, trust. I have no doubts whatsoever. There's a bunch of stories that I've shared in the past. I'll try to uh, bring a few of those stories next week to bring out this point of how we need to trust without any limitations of that trust. Meaning, it's not the, well, if this and this and this, then, no, that's not trust. Trust means the file is closed. Reb Moshe Alshech, one of the great commentators, he was known as the Holy Alshech, or Alshech HaKadosh, delivered a sermon after the Shabbos morning prayer in Sfat. A simple wagon driver listened intently and was enthused when the Holy Rabbi said that anyone who completely leans on Hashem doesn't need to make any effort in earning a living. The wagon driver stopped working, stayed home, and recited psalms all day long. Shortly thereafter, he somehow received a huge sum of money. You know what happened? I'll tell you what happened. This was a simple wagon driver. And he heard this lecture. He doesn't continue here in the story. I'll tell you the rest of this. What happened was is that he sold his his wagon and he sold his his donkey. And his wife said, "What are you doing?" He said, "Didn't you hear the speech from the Al Sheikh Hakadosh? Didn't you hear what he said that if you have complete one hundred percent trust in Hashem, you have no need to do anything, nothing, 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 no effort." And we know if someone's lacking a little bit of that hundred percent, 
whatever you're lacking of that 100%, you better put in effort. But even then, not that the effort bring the res- brings the results. Okay. So what did he do? He sold the wagon, sold the animal, done. He sits and says psalms all day. And what's going to be? How is he going to pay his bills? His wife is saying, you know, this is, <laughs> it's very nice. It's ideal. You know, you made money, uh, for you, from the animal. You made money from the wagon, but that money's running out. And what's going to be then? He continues to recite his psalms. He said, the Al Sheikh said that if we rely completely on Hashem, nothing to fear. A couple of days later, that donkey shows up right in front of his house. That same donkey with the wagon. What happened? He sold the wagon and the donkey to a non-Jewish guy. And he showed the wagon, he showed this this guy exactly what he did for a living. He would bring rocks. One day, this non-Jewish guy moved some of the rocks and he sees like gold underground. And it's like a cave. See, he starts taking the gold, putting it on the wagon, taking more gold, putting it on the wagon, going deeper into the cave, putting it into the wagon. Eventually, he went into the cave, and it crumbled on him, and he died. The donkey's just sitting there. It doesn't know what to do. So it just goes back to the previous owner that it knew it's, it knew where, where he lived. And here he gets back his donkey, he gets back his wagon, and he gets all the gold. Says the Holy Al Sheikh, the Holy Al Sheikh's leading students, each one of them prodigious Torah scholars. They came to him and asked, How is a simple wagon driver better than us? We pray day and night for Bitachon, for trust in Hashem, but we don't succeed in attaining it. He hears one sermon, sits at home, and recites Psalms, and almost immediately inherits a fortune. The Holy Alshech replied, The wagon driver's innocent faith in Hashem is like fertile, cultivated ground. My sermon was like a seed that readily sprouted in his heart, becoming a mighty tree of bitachon. True, you are Torah scholars, but your doubts and intellects are like a rocky field where nothing grows but weeds. Whereas logic and intellect hinder bitachon. Simple emuna is ever so conducive to total bitachon when a person leans entirely on Hashem. You know what's amazing about this simple student? He didn't just say, okay, I'm going to sit at home. Let's see what happens. No, 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 no. He sold the animal. He sold the wagon. He sold it. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm completely relying on Hashem. Others are like, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens, right? Doubt and bitachon are mutually exclusive. It's either one or the other. If you have doubt, you don't have bitachon. You don't have trust. If you have trust, you have no doubt. Reb Chaim Vital, a holy student of the Holy Alshech, and the foremost disciple of the Arizal, the right, the incredible out of that Rizal writes that bitachon means leaning on Hashem wholeheartedly and without the slightest doubt. How does a person attain the level of bitachon 
where he or she totally leans on Hashem and relies on nothing else. The Balatanya of Shnerzalman of Liadi writes that a person must have total emunah in divine providence, cognizant that Hashem alone sustains all of creation. If Hashem would withdraw His power of sustenance for one split second, all would become oblivion. This degree of spiritual awareness enables us to lean on Hashem entirely. Our emuna, which we said was the prerequisite for bitachon, you can't have trust in Hashem if you don't have firm knowledge of Hashem. Not faith. Faith means, uh, yeah, I believe, I guess. I take a leap of faith. You know, it's like, yeah. No, no, no. It's knowledge. I have clear knowledge of Hashem's existence. Step two, I trust that creator. Our emuna is the, in divine province, providence shows that we believe that Hashem alone determines what happens in this world. The more the notion of divine providence is embedded in a person's heart, the more he or she leans on Hashem, for he is the only one to turn to. In truth, nothing or no one else wields any power, for there is nothing but he. There is nothing but Hashem. Ein od novado. There is nothing but Hashem. You're relying on your boss for a paycheck? Or you're relying on Hashem for a paycheck? Oh, I don't want to go out on a business on my own. I want just a steady paycheck. I've heard so many people say that. I just want a steady paycheck. What do you mean? You want to live without bitachon? You want to live without having that feeling of reliance on Hashem? Feel that you're in the hand of Hashem every day. You know where my next paycheck is coming from? I have no idea. But Hashem does. It's got you covered. The third of Rabbeinu Bachia's three-part definition of bitochon is that Hashem has the knowledge and ability to do what's best and befitting always. Since Hashem is omniscient and all-powerful, He can accomplish whatever He wants whenever He wants, and He alone knows what's best for each of us. Nothing can get in Hashem's way, and He alone is capable of getting the job done. So there's nothing that limits Hashem from making you be the winner of tomorrow's billion-dollar lottery ticket. There's nothing that stands in the way. Do you understand? That with proper bitachon, or without any bitachon, right? If Hashem decides that a person is going to win that, then a person is going to win it. And that's it. There's nothing to worry about. Got to buy a ticket. That's what they say. You don't even have to buy a ticket. Someone can buy it for you and you don't even know about it. Either way, a person needs to have complete knowledge and awareness and trust that there's nothing that Hashem can't do. Nothing. Yeah, I can't go to the moon. Yes, you can. If Hashem decides that that's the best thing for you, that will happen. How? That's not your business, how? It doesn't make any sense. Plenty of things. And 
How many stories have we seen of people who were deathly ill, given minutes or days or weeks to live or months to live? And 20 years later, 30 years later, oh, doctors said it was impossible. Because doctors don't give life. Hashem gives life. Doctors don't give healing. Hashem gives healing. But people are ready to trust. People are ready to trust in doctors. Oh, please, doctor, tell me. Hashem is the creator of heaven and earth. He's got it all. All the power. All of the ability. Inherent in this third part of Rabbeinu Bachia's definition is that Hashem knows what's beneficial for each of us better than we do. This is a prerequisite to trust. For unless a person knows that whatever Hashem does, with no exceptions, is all for his or her ultimate good, he or she won't be able to trust in Hashem. You'll always be worried. you always think, if you don't understand that Hashem, he, he knows what's best for you. Better than you know what's best for you. If we don't understand that, we can't trust in Hashem. They'll be constantly exposed to fear, anxiety, and worry. Well, how would he know? Well, Hashem created to it. Don't you think he knows a thing or two about you? Hashem has been with us since the day we were born. He's the only constant we've ever had in this world. You know that? The only constant we've ever had in this world is Hashem. Rabbi Akiva teaches that a person should always say whatever Hashem does is for the very best. If a person thinks that such an attitude is voluntary, a lofty optimal option limited to those who strive for piety, the Shulchan Aruch begs to differ and rules that it's obligatory to say at all times, whatever Hashem does is for the very best. Whatever Hashem does is for the very best. Now, all three parts of Rabbeinu Bachia's classic definition of bitachon comes together like well-meshed gears in a smoothly running machine. When a person knows that Hashem is omniscient and all-powerful, he or she readily leans on Hashem and leaning on Hashem in total reliance leads to true tranquility of the soul. When we're able to just let go and see Hashem perform the miracles, see how Hashem runs the world, how everything that we never thought would ever, it would be impossible, it all came to happen. Why? Because Hashem decided that that was the best thing for you. Oh, I can't believe I lost my job. What a disaster. Guess what? You got a much better job. You got one which is closer to home. I got to tell you a couple of stories. So first is my first job that I had leaving uh, Israel after receiving my rabbinic ordination. I thought I was going to retire there. My first job was in Connecticut and I was out on my head 10, 10 months in. I was looking for a new job. It was a disaster beyond comprehension. Right? Many different factors. But it taught me a great lesson. It taught me a great lesson. A lesson in bitachon. Because when I went into that job, one of my mentors told me, you know your first job is your most important job. Uh, you set, you set your, you set your uh, future 
based on your first job that people are going to see if you're a hard worker, people are going to see if you're competent, people are going to see if you're reliable, people are going to see so many things out of your first job is your most important job. So I was determined. I'm going out my first job, first real job, my first paying job. I'm going to show them I'm, I'm, I'm really great. And Hashem was teaching me, oh, you think it's all you. What happened to me? What happened to Hashem? You forgot about Hashem. It's all you, big shot. Let's see how well you can do without me. And 10 months later, I was humbly out of a job. And I found this magnificent opportunity in Houston as a new person. Because now I realized why Hashem did that to me. It was hard. hard we were heartbroken. We moved 8,000 miles. For what? For a 10-month job? You're kidding me? <laughs> but Hashem was teaching us it was a path that was necessary to get to where we got to. Now, thank God, celebrating, we just started our 18th year in Houston. And we love it. And it's the greatest thing. Had I not had that 10-month experience, I would never have succeeded here. But Hashem, who knows what's best, Hashem, who's all-powerful, if we rely on Hashem, we lean on Hashem. Total reliance, that leads to true tranquility. You can be calm. And you don't have to worry because you're in the hands of Hashem. You're not in the hands of anybody else. So my dear friends, let's go get him. Let's make this week a special week. Let's incorporate this in our lives. Such a fundamental principle that we need to, those, these three pieces of Rabbeinu Bachya. My dear friends, have a terrific evening. Thank you so much to those of you online. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoy this podcast and share it with a friend. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcasts.com.